Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's the podcast guy. Something about the Talk Time on podcast. It's the Southern Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Sutton United Talk Time on podcast. Um, another midweek break, so we're doing another behind the scenes. And today we are talking to Martin Cobus. Hello, Martin. How are you? Hey there, Mike. I'm very good, thanks. I'm good. Excellent. So you joined us four or five years ago now? Yeah, about five years ago. When you say joined us, I, uh, went on to the board four or five years ago. <laughs> but I was actually born in the borough. Yeah. So, as with most other people, I was born in St. Helier. <laughs> uh, about a hundred years ago, but um, my my dad was in the paper trade and mm-hmm. uh, was moved up to Manchester when I was two. So yeah. I, you won't hear it in my accent, but I but I grew up in the outskirts of Manchester. Yeah, and um, found myself supporting Man United. Sorry to all all listeners who uh, <laughs> for which that is anathema. Uh, found myself uh, supporting Man United when they were at home, and then supporting Altrincham. When uh, when they when Man United were away, so so non-league football has been in my blood pretty much forever. But uh, even then, knowing that I was born in Sutton, I've, I've always kept an eye on Sutton United. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, until recently, Sutton and Altrincham were the two winningest um, and and biggest giant killers in non-league football. And of course, we yeah. can't say that anymore. Well, we can historically. No. 
Yeah. Say. <laughs> no. so, um, um, but um, yeah, that, that's my footballing history, if you like. And yeah. then uh, more recently, and bringing us up the more up to date. So for a lot of the last five years, I've been living and working in the Middle East, specifically in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, I was uh, employed by the biggest company you've never heard of called Abdul Latif Jamil, who are actually the world's biggest customer of Toyota cars. Right. Uh, not only in Saudi Arabia, but all across North Africa and also Turkey. Um, and they were sponsoring the Saudi Football League. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the second most expensive title sponsorship of a football league in the world after Barclays here. Um, so that took quite a bit of managing. So that's what I was doing in Saudi. Right. Excellent. I mean, there was a few things. I'm going to refer back to the interview you did with Tom um, a couple of years ago. I'm going to link into it because it was, there's, obviously I'm not going to repeat all of it, but there, there was lots in there that if people have forgotten it, um, it's, it's well worth a re-listen. I re-listened um, just yesterday. Um, you started in advertising a, a, a few years back um, and listening to your CV, um, a less charitable person could say, oh, very lucky, right time, right place, a lot of times. But you seem to spot the opportunities and to be in the right time, right place. There was one story you told about the, um, it was one of the airlines, because your, your your team was sponsored by, it was sponsored by a team and then they were playing against an, another team that you, you couldn't have the sponsorship on there. Um, I can't remember what it was now, but you, you got one of the smaller airlines to sponsor it as a ah. deal and it was like just sitting there going well hang on a minute they do this they do this we need this let's put them in the same room and let's get it sorted not everyone spots that well yeah no no what you're referring to is so uh embers sport and doubtless we'll come on to talk about embers a little bit which is the sports diversification business of embers which is a saudi um it company so they sit beneath the mobile network operators in Saudi Arabia, but also more broadly in, in the Middle East and indeed in Europe. And um, Embers Sport, uh, my business partner, um, had just done a deal with Leganes, who um, had just been promoted into La Liga for the first time. And he told me what he did. He said, what do you think about this? I've just done this deal. I said, you're absolutely out of your mind. I said, because there was only about a week to 10 days be, uh, before the uh, their first season in La Liga. They hadn't got a main club sponsor. And what Yusuf had done was to was to pay them a significant amount of money for the rights, both for the shirt, um, advertising time on the pitch side LED, the whole thing. Um, and I said, we've got no time to do anything. He said, yeah, but it was a good deal. You know, we couldn't pass it up. And... Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I'd never heard of Leganes. Uh, they'd never been in La Liga. That's probably the reason why. And Leganes is actually a suburb of Madrid. And the lady who was running Embers Sport at the time had been trying for the following two, three, four weeks to get a main sponsor and hadn't been able to do so. And so we had a meeting in Dubai. Uh, the owner of Embers, Nawaf Al Shamri, uh, Yusuf, myself, and the lady concerned, and we discussed what to do. And I said, and, and already Leganes had played Barcelona. And in order to fill the space, we'd actually had the Ember Sport logo on there. And I said, look, and, and I'd looked at the fixture list and about probably only like three weeks later, 
um, Leganes were playing away at Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. And I said, look, we cannot go into the Bernabeu with our own company logo on there. I mean, it, you know, we'd be Billy No Mates. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. So I said, what do you, what do you propose? I said, look, even if we sell the one game, then we'll maybe get back half of um, um, half of what what uh, we're paying Leganes. And so we um, that was the, the basis of the, the concept. And then they said, well, you know, who can we possibly pitch it to for one game? And I said, um, Royal Jordanian Airlines. And the Wafford News have said, what? Why? And I said, well, I've just flown Royal Jordanian back to back to Dubai. And I said, you know, I was I was on the plane. I looked at their um, their their route map. Uh, do you remember the days when airlines used yeah, to have? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's not very long ago. And uh, I said they fly to Madrid. So I said, um, you know, in in airline speak, that's an outport marketing. In other words, the destinations they fly to. And uh, so there's a reason to actually talk to to Royal Jordanian. Plus. Um, uh, it's an opportunity for a small regional airline. I don't know how many planes they've got, maybe 20, maybe 25, but they're, they're, they're a small airline by comparison with Qatar Airways who were on uh, Barcelona and Emirates who were on Real Madrid. I said, so there's a real opportunity for them literally to be on the same playing field as the big boys for a fraction of the price. So everybody said, well, that's a good idea. So uh, Yusuf and the uh, the GM of, uh, of um, Ember Sport flew to Amman in Jordan and met with the, the, all the marketing people. And not only did they buy that one game, they bought the whole of the rest of the season. And when we went to the game, uh, we obviously had dinner with the, with the client um, in Madrid. And I was sitting next to the, the then director of marketing, who was actually a Swedish guy, bizarrely. And he said to me, Martin, I understand this was this was your idea. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, you need to know you were pushing against an open door. It just ticked every marketing box that we could have come up with. But um, and, and the whole season went very well for Royal Jordanian. And they did get huge, huge visibility. And uh, they even they even organized off their own bat uh, uh, a dubka, which is a, a, a traditional um, Jordanian dance on the mm -hmm. field in uh, oh, right. before the before the home game against real madrid in fact excellent and the uh, the fans just went crazy over it so yeah i mean sometimes i mean that was a rifle shot um yeah you don't you don't usually get that lucky i wouldn't honestly have said that that my career has been lucky all the way through it's kind of good to say but it's absolutely not true <laughs> uh but but on on that particular occasion um i did hit the bullseye <laughs> yeah Maybe it was the way Tom talked us through it. <laughs> it might have been, might have been all Tom's skill. There you go. But yeah, there was other things that was interesting when you um, you say you started out doing um, like the for sale signs. The the uh, was it the the the, the, the actual boards? Um, the estate, was it estate oh, yeah. agents boards? And I, and I was like, yeah, yeah, this 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 goes way back. Yeah, and then you talk about the cigarettes and beer adverts, and then. You're also quite heavily involved in something that everyone just uses, um, the QR codes, um, and it's that's the whole way through the, te the technology. I mean, I was like, when I first listened, I was like, okay, okay, I, I can get away with this. But then when I started hearing about all the QR codes, I thought this is going to be a whole session of Martin just shaking his head at my awful attempts at promoting the podcast. <laughs> what are you doing, boy? <laughs> 
Well, you can, of well, course, link to a podcast from uh, or the podcast. Yeah. From, no problem. But, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so it must have been just a, a really. I'm not saying you're, you're you're stopping and looking back, but when you get this opportunity to look back to your career so far, it must be just there must be moments of real proudness of the things you've been involved with. I mean, the story you said on Walker's Crisps, um, that big promotion was like the, one of the very first promotions with phones. Yeah, yeah, mobile marketing, as it was called in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't conceive of that. To be fair, um, the uh, the company had already uh, had already agreed that deal with Walkers before I got there. But the um, there was there was a major problem. Did I go into that on the um, uh, on the? Yeah, you you you'd mentioned the uh, some of the letters. Some of the properly. letters look the same, like a a K looked like an H, and 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 uh, an H like an M, and it was my it was my 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 kids then my my uh, my sons who who spotted that and dad this doesn't work, <laughs> um, and of course you couldn't change literally no. millions it, upon millions, millions of packs of walkers, so there had to be a technical solution. I mean, one of the things that 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 people who know me and the family will always the family call me the can do daddy. <laughs> probably shouldn't say that but if, but if somebody if i've always been if somebody says something can't be done i, I tend to try and find that it can be done some way mm -hmm. somehow and that was one of those things i mean i remember going uh getting the train into london to the office and thinking how in the world can we fix this um we found a way uh, yeah yeah absolutely that's 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 solving the problems is, is what it's all about um so there was one there was one little thing on that interview that you'd mentioned about um, meeting with Bruce um, at a game. I just wanted to just double check and see if these facts are correct. You came away from the meeting saying what a wonderful person he was. I'm sure most people comes away from their first meeting with Bruce saying, how sarcastic is that bloke? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we have a similar sense of humour, don't we? Yeah, but that was so. So the, the background was that Embers Sport were interested in in investing in a in a football club. We've been talking to a League Two, League One club, and we've gone a long way down the road. Um, I'll explain later why we were why we were looking at that. We've gone a long way down the road with them, and in the end, they needed more money than Nawaf wanted to put in. Mm -hmm. And and. Embus Sport have never been and will never be takeover merchants. That's not the point. If uh, if if, um, if if the website's up right now, and I'll explain later why it might not be, but um, you'll see that that Embus Sports defined as a sports accelerator, and the idea is to invest in in a club or in a player or whatever to help them up to the next level. It's not mm -hmm. takeover. It's nothing like that. It's it's to accelerate progress, if you like. So um we had been speaking to another club and they wanted more money than the wife was prepared to put in and so we parted company on the best of terms and uh they said well, what do we do now and i said um uh sutton united and they said who and why <laughs> and, and and the why was that this was the year after the great cup run sutton were like second or third in the um um, in the league, pretty much the whole season, mm -hmm. and and what had happened was, uh, I had a I had a thought which was to say Sutton have never been this visible in their life, partly because of the cup run and partly because of where they were in the national league, and I had this this 
idea that that what was going to happen in in Jan in the January window because this conversation was in like November. Um, what would happen in January was that League One, League Two clubs would take the three or four best players and finish ten. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a cold call email, in fact, to Mickey, Mickey Joyce. Yeah. And Mickey then passed it on to Bruce and Dave Fairbrother. Dave, Dave at the time was chairman of the, of the board. Um, Bruce, obviously, chairman of the club. And um, it was agreed that we would meet on the blasted heath uh, known as Solihull Moors Ground on a particular Saturday afternoon. And so we're standing in the corner, the four of us. So, so that's uh, Bruce and Dave and myself and Jamie, my, my rower son. Yeah. And we had, a, we had a very pleasant conversation. And at the end of it, it was, you know, very nice to have met each other. And um, uh, we think probably not. We've never taken a penny of outside money. And, and you know, we're, we're doing very well financially. Well, we're doing okay financially. <laughs> um so um you know thanks for your interest and i'm sure we'll talk some more in the future anyway the bottom line is there was a, i wasn't obviously at it there was a, there was a board meeting and it was, this, this whole thing was discussed and um little bit of concern i i understand about middle east money um mm -hmm. i guess i was insurance having been born in the borough <laughs> and um a number of weeks later we bought some shares in the club and it gave gave dolls a war chest mm -hmm. uh, not not a huge war chest, but but enough to repel all borders if anybody did come to poach some of our best players. And I believe that we didn't lose anybody that that winter. No. Um, went on to um, get into the playoffs, as everybody knows, at home to Boreham Wood, and then the disaster that was the home game against Boreham Wood. But Fine. let's not go there. <laughs> we don't talk about playoffs anyway. They don't count. We don't like them. We just win the league a few years later, all the way through. Um, well, that, that was backdrop. So we're very, very enjoyable first first dialogue with with both Bruce and Dave, and um, yeah, we we came away. Jamie and myself came away feeling very good about the club, and um, we still do, and it's worked out particularly <laughs> well, I think. So, yeah. so there's a couple of things that I'm going to meander around. Sorry now, um, I'm I'm very mercenary, um, so um, do forgive this question. What do Embers get out of? this acceleration they're, they're, i mean it's investing in clubs so there must be a payoff there's no point doing an investment if, if it's not a payoff um so they, they, <laughs> it's not meant to be quite as blunt and rude as that but um, it's basically why would you invest in something just to help them is it philanthropy um i wouldn't exactly call it philanthropy but it's not far short of that right um if you look at all the the um, investments that are being made in English football from all over the world, mm -hmm. a lot from the United States, a lot yeah. from China, a lot from Thailand, um, and a number of obviously a number of other of other countries as well. Um, the English football has the biggest draw in the world. Spanish football would like to think it does. Italian mm -hmm. football used to like to think that it does, but the biggest draw in world football right now is is English football, obviously English Premier League, but it does go beyond that. And the association with English football is quite important for a lot of potential investors around the world. Um, 
the most often what that comes down to is an outright purchase yeah but often and, and sometimes it's a majority purchase i met um in our boardroom with the indonesian majority owners of Tranmere the other week mm -hmm. um for example um in our case what, what we're not interested in a position like that um i think the association's important i think the involvement with football is important for a, for a, a sports consultancy which is essentially what ember sport is um having an involvement with a professional football club um helps provide credibility to to that organization um the other thing that that, that being involved on the board um of a professional football club gives you the inside story and the inside story of how football clubs run how they develop how they how they progress is radically different from what the fans see from what the yeah. media sees and so on and uh there's a very important learning curve there and a very exciting and interesting learning curve there as well but it's not a one-way street I and mean, what we hope to do is to bring um our experience and expertise from a number of different parts of the world to bear on um, the the, the um, on the club, and I think that, um, that that we've proven to do that. I mean, I wouldn't say that we're passive investors or, or mm -hmm. our, our involvement is is in any way passive at at at, um, at Sutton, but um, equally, it's fairly light touch. Um, you know, one of the things that I've personally been involved with lately, of course, um, you know, I represent a, a Middle East company on the board. So mm -hmm. the, the new multi-faith prayer room yeah. was, was an initiative from ourselves, from myself, in fact, but it doesn't really matter, from ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been extremely well received. Um, um, <laughs> one, of, one of the most uh, absolute positive responses that we've had is from Ahmad. Uh, Ahmad. Yeah. Yeah uh who was who we invited along to the to the um uh the opening of it and uh he uh he, he was he was very forthright in in the fact that he saw this as a major step forward for the football club but it is multi-faith i mean that that, that was exciting who came along mm -hmm. so there as i've mentioned um you had a number of folks from different faiths and uh, the local uh team vicar was there um the the lady mayor was there two players yeah. were there one of each faith i mean oh, i say each faith well one muslim one one christian so um there, there are different initiatives that we can take and we can look at the club from from a different perspective than mm -hmm. than um than other folks on the board and than, than other folks from yeah. the back so to speak so yeah the only the only issue i i had with the um the prayer room was that we allowed um, opposition players to use it before the game? I was like, no, no, let them use it after the game. But before the game, keep them on their toes. Don't don't, don't let them relax. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many have actually used it before the game. Yet, but, but it was very interesting when when the idea was first mooted. I spoke to Matt, and I said, "What do you think about this? Do you think the players would use it?" He said, "Well, funnily enough, he said our first home game as a football league team, um, which was against Oldham." And apparently their gaffer had gone up to Matt and said, Do you have a prayer room? A couple of our guys would like to use one before the before the game. And um, of course, at that point, we didn't have one. No. So um uh um at least he doesn't now have to say coming yeah. soon. Yeah. 
in fact we've we've got a, a boot room you can use um, yeah. but no that was that was again i would imagine something that again not just respect to anyone but we would never even thought about we, we, um, it's, it's kind of outside the scope of football um, and that's why it's it's useful because a lot of the the board are people have been supporting the club for hundreds of years um and they've kind of grown up in the Sutton way um, and I do remember you you mentioned um that the board was very strange when you're at the board meetings when you were able to connect through the the tech savvy board that we have um that there was hardly any votes and there was agreement just kind of like yep we'll do that yep we'll do that is that is that not clearly not the same in all places then uh no that, that is that is still very much the way i mean you know since since we've been uh um in the football league not a lot has changed i mean the the, the wonderful thing is you know you can go into the um the the vps lounge and you've got players there you've got fans there you've got board members there um and everybody's just mixing it's crazy i mean the, 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 there's there's no other football uh league club that i've ever come across where that's the case uh, usually you know the constituent parts uh keep themselves to themselves and you know it's a real throwback to i don't know isthmian league days or, or whatever or it before and, and long may that continue because that's what makes Sutton special and and, and very different so um yeah, nothing has really changed. I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, during the dim, dark days of lockdown and no games, I mean, the board was meeting every single week mm -hmm. uh, virtually. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure others could say whether that pulled us even closer together than we were, were before, but certainly a weekly board meeting discussing every single way that we could possibly find money out of grants or whatever else. Um, certainly pulled us very, very closely together. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the board at Sutton, I think, is 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 a delight. Um, it's extremely active. There's, there's nobody on that board who sits back and has a point of view and doesn't get actively involved in one in one assignment or another. Mm -hmm. um, we're now nine people. We've been eleven, and then the two Daves, Dave Mathers and and Dave Fairbrother, step back. Um, as you'll probably have seen uh, all over the club, neither of them are are disengaged. Quite the yeah. reverse, probably more engaged than they were before. But in terms of board boardroom, there's now nine of us, which is probably a better kind of number, mm -hmm. um, just just in terms of sheer numbers. But I can't remember. I mean, on that I've been on that board five years now. I don't think we've ever actually voted on something. <laughs> where you know oh well that went through on the majority no i mean everybody has the, their opportunity to speak uh we tend to move forward by consensus um and, and it's very much evolution not revolution um yeah. now anybody who would look at gander green lane now would say well revolutions happened revolutions happened insofar as we've got grass back and we've got the new uh, new handy dandy away end and whatever else um the uh, TARDIS Terrace and, and goodness knows how many other changes, ticketing software. Yeah. But uh, a lot of that is, has been driven, as you well know, and as the listeners will well know, because of uh, rules and regulations associated with being in the Football League. And we're only just finishing phase one. Yeah. Um, there, there are then more rounds of, of um, uh, requirements to continue to qualify, if you like, to be in. Um, to be in the football league 
Um, that, of course, takes a huge amount of, of um, uh, dedication, research, make sure we're getting the right solution at the right price. I mean, I remember when we had to tear up our perfectly serviceable 3G pitch. I mean, we were looking in goodness knows how many places as to what we could do with it. Yeah. Um, it turned out, get this, there's only one machine in Europe that can cut and remove a 3G pitch. Right. The one, that we, the one that we wanted to use, the, the one happened to be in Sweden at the time and was booked out for three months or something, so we couldn't use it. Yeah. And that's why that, most of the pitch hasn't been, been reused. But then we had to say, okay, well, what, what, um, what are we going to replace it? With? Mm -hmm. And it so turned out that that the the, the two major candidates had uh, side by side pitches marked as such, bizarrely, at Bisham Abbey National Training Centre, which is very close to where I live. And so on a Saturday morning, I went over there, and marched across these two pitches. One, I, I made a massive assumption that they were getting the same amount of use, <laughs> but one was significantly better than the other. Mm. And uh, that's the company that we went with. Um, and they were also considerably cheaper than, than the, the other major candidates. So um, I only give you that as a little bit of an insight in, into just how um the board in general makes its decisions and 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 how careful we are about a spending money and b making sure that we've got the right solution and and future proofing whatever decisions that we take you know thank you for taking the time to listen to such united talk time on podcast the sutton podcast if you are new to the show hello and you are very welcome hope you enjoy what we do it's a very simple format we get a few people on to talk about the game that's just gone and then we preview the next game coming up we are available on most podcast platforms where you can listen, rate and review. If you find that we're not on your preferred platform, please let me know and I'll sort that for you. If anyone would like to support the podcast, you can find out how with more information on the website, which is www.suttonpodcast.com. And there's a tab where you can find out how to be a guest as well. Please find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok with the username at Sutton Podcast. Every like, follow and share is really appreciated. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. Yeah, because I mean that must be fairly odd as well. Because as you say, um, the, the name Middle East money conjures up images of yay, loads and loads of money, and yet you've got a board at Sutton who are like, no, 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 no let's, let's be careful with what we spend. Let's account for everything. So that must have been a little bit, um, or a bit of a delight, right, <laughs> to, to come across a club that is going, let's just be calm down on the money side. Um, so what's that like? Is it, I, I mean, I've said many times. The club's run by a bunch of accountants as an absolute just positive because we cut our cloth. Um, do you find the same? Or well, I think that you know what's been a shame financially is because you know we got a we get um, a significant amount of money from solidarity payments from Premier League and um, distribution from the Football League. Mm -hmm. um, you know, way out of proportion of being in, in the National League, which is why everybody's, you know, fighting hand over fist to get out of the National League. But we haven't, the, the only uh, benefits that we've seen from that so far um, have been in capital expenditures around the stadium. Because when, a, when a, a, a former football league club gets promoted up, like this last year, Grimsby and, um, and Stockport, 
they've been in the football league before they don't have to rip up their pitch they don't have to add seats they don't have to um um, um uh, fulfill a requirement lights, a certain yeah. number of uh, of uh ticketing so so the money that they go back to um goes mm -hmm. on their operating costs and, and a lot of their operating costs obviously is running around on the field so um we are we are you know sometimes i've, I've had the impression that that, that uh people i won't look upon us now as little rich sutton rather than little old sutton and we are far 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 from that <laughs> just because of all the capital expenditures we've got to make plus when you think about it we were previously um as bruce likes to say a three-quarter three-quarter time club yeah okay so then you go to a full-time club and then mm -hmm. and your your wage bill extends accordingly then we didn't have a squad that was deep enough playing mm -hmm. football league so you had four or five players so you had four or five players and it's full-time oh hang on that would be if we we're still playing in the national league no we're not so then you've got to go up a league and and whilst we're probably close to the bottom in terms of uh, our expenditures on on uh, on anything um but certainly in terms of in terms of wages we've just got to be really really careful but if you, if you add all of those factors together you can imagine that um that our wage bill across the board um has has um has gone up significantly plus of course yeah. uh we're massively successful in our first season in the uh in the football league so um that doesn't go without its rewards of course so. no absolutely I mean, um, you may have heard the, the chant on some of the games you, you've been to um, last year. Something's going up with a tenner in the bank, and uh, <laughs> I have not heard. But uh, oh, it was yellow submarine! If I, if going... we have the tenner. <laughs> That's what Bruce was saying. <laughs> Bruce was questioning where do people think this tenner's come from? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, Don't tell people we got a tenner. Everyone be wanting it. Um, but do you? I mean, you, you mentioned as we were talking. Um, You've been to a few of the games and you've traveled up um with, with the fans um do, do you get much interaction i know you sort of travel split the time between three countries now um so do, do, do you get to many games or is it mostly yeah. on the iFollow? oh yeah no i mean basically these days um when when the lockdown happened i happened to be at home home is in oxfordshire near wallingford mm -hmm. uh, between which is between oxford and reading um and so and because it went on so long um i had to cancel my apartment in uh, in jeddah and i've been based in the uk since then so oh, okay. um, i'm not actually traveling that much so i do get to quite a lot of games so um most recently which was a very exciting and heart throbbing day out which was the uh, the the new derby against uh, against wimbledon yes it's a heck of a day out yeah. but, um, what was very interesting very very charming uh was in in the board lunch where they served up like a three-course lunch this was this was seriously <laughs> immovable afterwards but um mick their chairman uh stood up and gave a very nice speech and uh this apparently this was the 50th match that that um wimbledon and sutton had ever played and of course it was the first in the football league yeah and uh some very kind words were mentioned and and the number of players were there who played in previous games in, in different leagues when uh when when we played in fact i believe that either one or two of the the uh older gentlemen who were there played at wembley against Sutton. 
yeah um, 63 i think that was yeah yeah so very very lovely um and then uh apparently um you'd know this better than me probably that that was a, a record for the new plow lane it was like eight and a half thousand people yeah I've, i think it was and i think it was only not a sellout because they chose not to sell one bank of seats because it's the the, the corn the two corners would have been close too close together yeah um, so we, think, we looked at that and thought and i'm not so sure about that because the, yeah. there was a great big concrete divide between the two and then about yeah. a 20 foot drop so i'm not and, quite sure of that. And, and my point is this is a brand new stadium you surely would have thought about that when designing the stadium to put something there but yeah no i i, I think that was their record crowd and it will be for a while i should imagine um well, until bradford uh, yeah. city comes to town yeah no no we're bigger than bradford um but yes yeah, it's, it's, it's actually mad when you think about it where wimbledon and sutton are so close and we were so many years non-league together the amount of times we've played each other is it's just pitiful really um but well, we, like to put, we like to point out they've not actually beaten us in a proper um match um sorry senior <laughs> cup but we don't trade that importantly anymore um, i love the uh, i love the poster actually that's in the office uh, as, as you go into the club which is an Isthmian League poster. Yes. And, it, and it's Sutton United and the upcoming games against Wickham Wanderers and Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, those three clubs are birds of a feather in many ways. And if you add mm -hmm. Dulwich Hamlet in there, then, then you've probably got four clubs that are very, very similar in ethos at four different levels of the, well, three different levels at the moment, uh, of, um, of football, of the pyramid. Um, and um, we know uh jamie and i know wickham very well the, the, there are uh, they're not actually our closest team to where we live um uh, oxford united are but we, we we've been uh, fans also of wickham for many years so we know them right to the top for a number of years and they are very very similar in ethos to sutton yeah. and in fact um you you i think yes you are you're wearing an o'neill shirt there yes sir. so um so that was another uh, initiative that I, I led because we were coming up to the end of our very successful and, and, and very pleasant relationship with Macron. And um, I was wondering if there was a better deal out there somewhere. And Wickham are one of, were one of only, I think, three clubs in, in let me get this right, uh, Great Britain, as opposed to Great Britain and Northern Ireland, mm -hmm. in Great Britain, who, who were with O'Neill's. And I said, um, tell me a bit about O'Neill's to their former chairman, um, Trevor Stroud, who is still on the board. And he said, they're beyond brilliant. Um, they're extremely creative. They come up with all sorts of ideas, the, their requirements for uh, um, stock levels that, that, a, that a club has to buy are, are truly minimal. And um, their service is second to none. And he said, in fact, we're just about to renew them after four years or whatever their contract was. So I put this to the board. Um, we looked at a number of different providers. Um, uh, Macron were, were, were given right up until the 11th hour. We're, we're given the opportunity, uh, not necessarily to match, but to put their best, best deal on the table. And uh, O'Neill's won out. But so far, so good. What, what's been very interesting and this isn't a comment about Macron, I've no idea. But certainly, I think you and your listeners will be aware that at the beginning of this season, a number of uh, big providers, big uh, kit suppliers, were having problems 
providing replica kits and in a couple of instances even new kit for the first team mm. um because of supply chain issues uh we didn't have any of that at sutton um largely because o'neill's manufacture in ireland yeah um and they manufacture themselves they've got a huge huge facility in ulster they're, they're, they're a very interesting business because their head office is is south of the border in in the republic in other words and their major um manufacturing facility is in ulster so they really do do put in both hopefully <laughs> not much of a divide these days but you know what i'm talking about yeah so excellent company great to deal with gareth can probably speak to that better than me because he, he deals with them on a daily basis yeah but... no they they've um i've known them for years they, they do all the um gaa um kits um in ireland and oh they really say... dominate sport in ireland that's yeah, right yeah i, I was saying the league over here yeah they, they're really thick i was like they're really really thick and then it came and it wasn't as thick and i was like oh yeah it's probably really thick because people are always pulling the jerseys and it needs to be a little bit a little bit thicker where we don't get that so much so, right yeah um, but yeah no they, i love the uh they, they're doing just a lot of casual stuff as well which is something i think we've we've obviously not had before um but it's just very strange for some of us oldies to be walking around sutton high street on a wednesday or something and seeing sutton stuff it's like oh hang on um, i don't know you i've not been going there for years but there's so much influx of, of new um people coming down that it's 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 actually amazing to think um i think it was i looked at it last year i think 10 11 years ago we were averaging about five six hundred no 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 that might be longer than that but about less than a thousand anyway and now when it's announced of less than three thousand you're like oh what's going on that's not right no, exactly. what's happened and and you know what i mean uh how high is up because how many do we take to wembley Fifteen thousand. yeah absolutely was... well there's 50 there was, you know that's fifteen thousand people for a start and as you say we're getting somewhere between three and three and a half thousand on average which is pretty much double what we were getting in a successful season in the national league so absolutely. we've doubled but yeah. guess what our average gate i think is lower than dulwich hamlet two leagues below yeah <laughs> so um okay they've got the advantage of being able to buy a pint and stand by the game <laughs> by the uh you know by the by the barrier but um yeah i mean uh we we've, we've got a um say a long way to go but we can continue to build on our um on our attendances and, and we know we've got an audience so yeah. um and, and yeah. the better we do the more people come so um yeah, yeah long, long may that continue and I know on the last interview you mentioned obviously the, the magic pitch that we had at the time. Um, did you were you aware that the a lot, a lot of people were criticising, the, the, saying that we only were upset about the pitch because it gave us a huge advantage? But the message for most of us fans coming out was the first team are going to have a pitch to play on. There's 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 no problem there. But were you aware of the, the support there was for all the ladies teams, youth teams, community teams that we were we people were worried about what they were going to be doing oh completely i mean um and, and by the way that's still a discussion point mm -hmm. um the board the board does not only consider its responsibility towards the first team i mean the first team is obviously at the top of the pyramid of our club but um there is there is never a board meeting where the other sections you know the women are massively successful um the disability team has been massively successful we've now got a full-on efl academy being extremely successful 
So, and, and I've not even started talking about the Colts and the girls' teams and, and, and the walking football and everybody else. No, they're completely aware of that. And in fact, I've, I've said this before. One of the biggest challenges when, when we had to tear up a perfectly serviceable 3G pitch was finding somewhere around the borough for all of these other teams to play. Yeah. Because one thing with a brand new hybrid pitch, what you can't do is overuse it. Yeah. And this was difficult, um, you know, with the women's section. This was difficult with the academy, um, let alone everybody else. But but one of the biggest challenges we had that summer was where the heck are all our other teams going to play? Yeah. And to some extent, it's still an issue. Um, so we're, you know, we're having very good and very positive dialogue uh, with the borough right now uh, and and uh, right up to the top of the borough they are they are very sensitive to and very aware of the fact that um, uh, uh, Sutton United a massively community driven football club has all of its constituent parts scattered all over the borough and in one or two cases outside the borough we've got the first team training near the airport for example yeah so they are very familiar. They are very aware of that. They're very familiar with that, and we've got a we've got some very close dialogue going on at the moment as to how to address that. I can't really go beyond that right now. No, no, of course. Certainly, the borough up to the very top um, are se very sensitive to the needs of putting the band back together some way somehow. So. Excellent. So, on a sort of personal level, if you can see, um, you're wearing the. Uh, the old kit um, training top. Um, so, how much interaction do you kind of have with the players and staff, not just the boardroom and fans? Oh, quite a lot. Not um, just in the bar. Uh, no, no, quite a lot is, is the answer. Um, you know, one thing that that um, I don't ever intend to do is is is, is to put my oar in, all puns intended. Uh, where it's not uh, required or desired, um, but certainly where where I've got something to add, certainly where where I or we can add value. Uh, you know, one thing we're looking at at the moment is been going on forever, is um, a an opportunity to put a mobile mast in the car park, um, and uh, for a variety of reasons that's been just going on and on and on. But obviously, Embus being an IT company. Um, that's a core competency. So again, that would fall to me. Dave Fairbrother, to be fair, has been uh, well involved with that as well. But um, uh, where we have something to say and something to do, then then we will certainly do so. Um, you know, over the, over the years, I've had very interesting, right since the very beginning, I've had uh, um, uh, some very good dialogue with Matt about mm -hmm. training and fitness and, uh, and that level of things, because mm -hmm. With our Jamie uh, being on the the Great Britain rowing team for the last five years, the level of fitness and the level of endurance that he has to go through on a daily basis, um, it has been of of significant interest to Matt. Now, um, uh, footballers are not going to train to exhaustion as rowers do, but nevertheless, there's there's some very interesting comparisons that can be made and some very insights that can be taken both ways. So. Um, um, yeah, I mean, um, I don't think you'll find that um, um, I'm unknown to the staff, <laughs> other than in the bar. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. 
he mentioned Jamie. Now this is going to go out in a couple of weeks, so people probably will know this by then. But um, you just mentioned he his he had a race. Um, was it just yesterday or? Yeah, a big race. I don't know. It's last weekend. That's why I'm in Nothing. in Boston, Massachusetts, not Lincolnshire at the moment. <laughs> um, so it's what's called ahead of the Charles. Charles River flows through the middle of Boston, as as a number of your listeners will know. And uh, once a year at this time, they have what's called the head of the Charles. A head race in rowing is a timed race from A to B. Uh, this one's about four miles. So it's about the distance, a little bit shorter than the distance of the boat race. But it's similar, similarly through the center of the city. The difference is that the head of the Charles is the most um, attended from an from a, um, attendance point of view. Probably about 100,000 people watching right. uh, on Saturday, uh, all the way down the river um and it's the the most attended in terms of, of competitors lots of different events so the the um the biggest sort of gladiatorial races are in the single skull um the biggest sort of classic races if you like are in eights so jamie was in his single skull um and he won lightweight singles championship lightweight singles which is quite something so um uh, some posts went out. Is he, he rose for Oxford Brooks? So Brooks put out a uh, um, a post about him. Um, as of yesterday, it had two thousand likes or something. Uh, <laughs> wow. He put one out himself. That's got over a thousand likes. There's a lot of people following him and seeing how he does. But I've got to tell you, there's there's a couple of uh, well, the board are aware of, of of Jamie's rowing, and the couple take particular interest in how he's doing specifically um uh mickey joyce and dave fairbrother so yeah thanks to them for for taking an interest in him and uh um whenever they see him so jamie gets down to a number of games um a year when his when his uh, uh competing requirements and training requirements allow um saturdays are sometimes quite difficult um because they train <laughs> till about one o'clock and we, we live about two hours from gander green lane yeah uh, the, once you're stuck in the m25 so uh, it's not always uh, that easy for him to get there but um no people definitely uh, engage well with him the gaffer as well which is very very nice good and did he get himself a burger afterwards because i know he, he can't eat anything at all most of the time <laughs> well it's very interesting so uh, um, he, he's he's very good these days we've been doing it for a number of years on getting down to weight so uh just for your listeners so when he's racing he they weigh in um usually at an international regatta when he's running for gb they have to weigh in two hours not later than uh no not more than two hours before they race here here it's a little bit more lax so he was able to to weigh in the day before but um um in a single that's 72 and a half kilos which the last time i checked is about 10 stone 10. Yeah. Uh, and he's six foot tall so it's not that easy but, but over the years he's gotten used to it and um um so he knows that he knows how to get down to weight yeah excellent um just got one more and I, I do love them to bits um you mentioned there's going to be a few more bits of work in the pipeline so that probably means we're going to be seeing one of um ab's epics um i know you share a degree in modern languages do you have a clue what he's talking about most of the time or does he make up words to you as well? I, I, I certainly don't when he is somebody else and wearing a gold jacket in the bar. Um, that is completely beyond me. How he does it, I've no idea. Um, but yeah, we do we do share the same degree. That's correct. And, and in fact, we both lived in Germany um, as part of that. Um, I lived in Cologne. Uh, he, 
Did he win both of them or something? I can't remember. Anyway, we both followed German football because of that. Um, <laughs> so occasionally uh, we lapse into uh, a little bit of German when we've had one too too many. But uh, uh, yeah, um, other than that, I normally do understand what he has to say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you mentioned the gold jacket. I, I have to say, um, Aaron Flanagan, um, I think he's the he, the editor for one of the newspapers. He he pops down to various non-league games when he's not working, and Sutton is an extension of that last season. And um, he took a picture of AB on the chair with the gold jacket and the accordion, and he was just like, I'm at a football league match in Sutton United, and the, the vice chairman is standing on a chair in the middle of a bar shouting at everyone. Never change, Sutton United. Never change. <laughs> and I was That's like, well, that's perfect. It yeah, is perfect. <laughs> that is exactly what we want. Never ever mm. change. Um, thank you so much for your time. I've got one more question, which is not really relevant now because you mentioned that you're kind of here for the moment. But with all the travelling going different places, it's nothing to do with football. It just blows my mind because I'd be looking for my stuff. I'd be saying, well, hang on, where's that? Oh no, I've left it in, in Saudi. What do you do with all your? Do you, do you bring everything with you, or do you kind of have a main base? And if you've forgotten something, it's forgotten forever. Well, I mean, during the time that I was living and working in in um, Saudi, um, I had a flat, so so I, I was travelling very light. So I had clothes and stuff over there, clothes and stuff at home, so I, I could travel very very light. Nowadays. Um, I've got a fairly small um, suitcase that just about fits into, um, um, you know, one of those um, um, stands that uh, you can't take it on if it's bigger than this. Um, and then what we're talking through, I'm talking through my laptop. So, so, so much um, goes on um, that, that nowadays in terms of international travel, it make it particularly easy to do that. And you can genuinely work from anywhere now. I mean, here we are three and a half thousand miles apart and uh there's no time lag uh either either on the video that we're talking through or, or on the sound so um all of this just makes life a heck of a lot easier and um i will admit to you that there is a suitcase with my stuff in with uh, a former colleagues uh with uh, at a former colleague's house in qatar <laughs> <laughs> whether i actually get to go and get it um as part of the world cup i don't know but um uh, other than that no everything's everything's in one place it's pretty easy Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Martin, for your time. Um, it's been lovely chatting to you. Um, we'll sort of wave at you across from the curva. Um, <laughs> um, we'll speak to you again soon, hopefully. Mike, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.